This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Heartland Daily Podcast. I'm Lenny Jarrett, Director of the Center for Transforming Education here at the Heartland Institute and host of today's edition of the podcast. Today's guest is Larry Sand, President of the California Teachers Empowerment Network, a nonpartisan, nonpolitical group that provides reliable and balanced information to teachers. Welcome, Larry. Glad to have you on. Pleasure to be with you, Lenny. So you've written a few articles here lately about the teacher shortage. I know there's tons and tons of reports about teacher shortages around the country and especially in California. And you've done a little bit of research. What is the actual truth? Is there a teacher shortage or where, what, what is really, what are the real numbers? No, writ large, there is no teacher shortage. This has been a, frankly, a lie uh, spun by the education establishment for many, many years and there's so much data to refute it. For example, uh, the late uh, Cato Institute Senior Fellow of Education Policy, Andrew Colson, wrote in 2015 that there's an evidence shortage for the teacher shortage. And very simply, he notes that since 1970, the number of teachers has grown six times faster than the number of students. Enrollment grew about 8% from 1970 to 2010, but the teaching force grew 50%. So there's a lot more teachers today than there was about 50 years ago, but we don't hear about that. Also, in 2017, our researcher and analyst Mike Antonucci looked at the quit problem because we hear about, oh, teachers are leaving the field in droves, blah, blah, blah. And uh, But using the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, numbers, uh, he, he found that the quit rate for all Americans is 23%. In, it was in 2015, but for state and local education employees, it was only 8%. <laughs> so, so teachers are not leaving the field in droves, anything but. And interestingly, the National Council on Teacher Quality found that of the 8% that do leave, 38% of them are retiring. So that they're not quitting and going to another field. And then 29% are, are staying in education but taking non-teaching positions. So only about a third of that 8% is actually leaving teaching to take a job in a different field of endeavor. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, you would never know that from listening to the news. No, no, because it's, you know, it's teacher shortage, it's simple, it's a meme, it's like, you know, the sky is falling, Y2K, mad cow disease. <laughs> you know, yeah. The media loves these little things and it gives them something to write about. Yeah, of course they do. Um, and I know you've written a little bit more about where there may actually be some shortage or where there needs to be more teachers in the areas of, of math, science, and special needs. Can you go, uh, talk about that data a little bit more? Yeah, I, I should qualify everything I've said, it's just, which, which, just to repeat what I originally said, writ large, there's no shortage, which is not to say that there can't be shortages in certain schools or districts or in certain areas. Uh, for, for example, here in California, we are short uh, in math, science, and special ed teachers. You know, And this is according to the, the state education website. We're, we're not short on elementary teachers. We're not short on... English teachers were short on math, science, and special education teachers. 
So what? And, and we can we, and we can fix this so simply because it's it's true that if uh, you know a smart young college graduate can make more in private industry and science, that's where they're going to go. So the obvious answer to that is to pay science teachers more money, give them more, pay them more money, make the, make the field competitive, and entice them into teaching. It's it's you know, real basic. Yeah, so basically free market for teaching. You don't pay, overpay teachers that you have plenty of. You uh, you overpay, you pay more for the teachers that you really really need. Yeah, but you see, you just said a bad word, Lenny. Yeah, the I know. Education I did. establishment free market is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's something that is anathema to them. Yeah, they don't like that word at all. No, <laughs> they, no, no. They like their monopoly <laughs> status, and they like their one-size-fits-all. Actually, I'm not sure if you heard, but Illinois just passed a um, minimum wage for teachers. They're going to raise the pay of all teachers up to $40,000 for starting teachers here in Illinois over the next several years. So, yeah, it's the one-size-fits-all system that really doesn't yeah. go to solving the problem that you're talking about where it's in certain subjects. Right, yeah, there's, there's no nod to quality at all. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, as you say, it's one size fits all. Yep. Right, and um, I'm, I'm guessing as, as well, the teachers' unions are what's actually preventing your solution from being put in place or talking about it as much. Why would they not want to have more teachers in the areas of science and math and special ed? Well, the unions, as you say, will not allow this. They're definitely the number one impediment to uh, be, being creative in this area. They insist on what's called a step-and-column salary scale, whereby teachers may get paid more just by coming back the following year. And then the other part of this is taking professional development classes, which is supposed to make them better teachers, but studies have shown that they are... Um, they don't do that. <laughs> That's going to use a certain <laughs> yeah. word, but yeah, um, <laughs> they're useless. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so yeah, the, the unions are definitely an impediment here. And I, they, I, they tend to say, they just have to, have, they, they see teachers as widgets. Because yes. once you start dealing in better and worse, then you set up, you know, a certain amount of competition and, and they can't have that. Right. It's, it's just against their, uh, style. It's basically the same thing they do to students. All, all the kids have to learn at the same rate because you can't have the higher performing. You got to bring them back to the middle and you just got to work the lower kids up to the middle or, you know, make sure everybody's like common core is bringing everybody down. So then everybody's equal. Yeah. De Blasio in New York is talking about getting rid of gifted and talented schools. Yep. I mean, yeah, just make everybody the same. Yep. yep. It's, it's, it is absolutely ridiculous. So this solution of actually paying certain teachers more, has that been tried in certain areas? And what have been those results from that? Yeah, well, uh, there have been quite a few studies done. And uh, the, uh, the Association for uh, Public Policy Analysis and Management reports that just a one-time bonus program, quote, reduced the likelihood of teachers' exit by as much as 32% in the long run. In North Carolina, it showed that paying math and science special ed teachers in high poverty schools bonuses like about eighteen hundred bucks, a little more adjusted for inflation now, reduced teacher turnover by seventeen percent. And in Florida, another study found pretty much the same thing. And despite all the positive studies, only thirteen percent of school districts use pay incentives to attract and retain teachers in areas of need. Yeah. Anyway, it's tragic. So they don't use best practices to really inform themselves on how they should be, well, teaching as well as how they should be paying their staff. Right. Yeah. It's just, once again, it goes back to the one size fits all. And the places that have gotten stepped out of this have been successful. 
I haven't read any that haven't worked, and maybe there are some, but by and large, they this type of differentiation works. Right. Um, going beyond just those specialties that need extra teachers, how does kind of a merit-based pay system that we hear so much pe- people talking about, except in the teachers' union, how do, how would that work? Would that work kind of in the same manner as it would be would for just those three specialties? Yeah, yeah, it would be the uh, the quaint notion that good teachers get paid more. Um, in fact, uh, Newark did this back in 2012. Um, Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook honcho, uh, uh, donated some money, and part of the donation was merit pay or pay for performance. And the union liked it. Actually, they didn't like it that much, but they liked the millions of dollars <laughs> that uh, Zuckerberg threw in that direction. Right. And, and, and the plan worked. And Newark retained all, uh, all of its top-rated teachers in the 2016-17 school year. 97% of the teachers who were rated highly effective the previous year stayed in the district, but only 54% rated ineffective. I should say 54% were gone of the ineffective teachers. So it, it worked to keep the good teachers and got rid of a lot of the ineffective teachers. Unfortunately, now they just signed a new contract, which goes back to the traditional step and column uh, method because the Zuckerberg money is gone. So, uh, okay, they, they took the money, they took the Zuckerberg's money and ran basically. And uh, I, there's a wonderful quote from uh, the local teachers union president. His name is John Abagon, and this is in Newark, New Jersey. He summed up the union me- uh, mentality perfectly. And so he sent a missive to his members, and he said, quote, this contract removes the last vestiges of corporate reform from the district. And this I love is a message to our enemies that your evil is not welcome in Newark or at any other public school. So this union leader considers differentiation in pay for good teachers evil. Not just maybe not a good idea. It's evil. Right, yeah. Getting rid of bad I mean, teachers is evil. I, yeah, that's basically yeah. what he's saying. Yeah, it's it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, I, I wish more parents would see this and be able to hear this kind of stuff coming from the teachers' unions and what they really think because the teachers' union, in this case, this this leader wants to keep bad teachers in the classroom. Yeah, I mean, th- th- this quote should be blasted all over the country. because the, he, the, the, This guy told the truth, and, and that is it, bizarre as what he said was, this is the truth, this is how they think, and this is what needs to, what people need to know. Evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, and, and then some people will just play it, lightness. this never happened. There's no way this actually happened. There's no way people think like this. But and yeah. you and I have, you and I see this all the time. We've seen this in multiple instances of what teachers union bosses will go and say and do. And it's just absolutely ridiculous and astounding. Sometimes you think you're never going to hear something worse and yet it comes. <laughs> yeah. There's always something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's always something more. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so we, you know, like this with the teachers union bosses, what they do, but they always talk about, they want teachers treated as professionals. So, Oh. Do the teachers' union yeah. actually even do that? No, the teachers' unions te- treat teachers as widgets. <laughs> it, 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 that, that's why they don't see good teachers and bad. There's no such thing as a bad teacher. There's a teacher who, who might need some development, but then he's a good teacher. And 
there's no differentiation between good and bad teachers. And and this is these are not professionals. These are like line workers in in an auto plant in Detroit in, in the 1950s. Um. I mean, when you look at other professions like lawyers, we all know there are good lawyers and bad lawyers. The good lawyers make more money, and the bad lawyers um, don't make as much money. And if you're really a bad lawyer, you don't have any cases, and you're probably looking for work in another field. Yep. And the same with doctors. I mean, a doctor who, who, who's a wonderful doctor, has a good reputation, will make a lot of money. A, a doctor who's killing his patients is not going to be around for long. But teaching does not uh, does not go that route. It's, it, it just... Um, you know, the unions refuse to let teachers be treated as professionals. Yeah, expect, yeah, it's basically in the public school system. If you get into the private school sector, you're going to have that. The charter schools, the private schools, they have to have good teachers and keep good teachers because if they don't, they're going to lose students. Yeah, no, that, that's an important point, Lenny. The, yeah, I, I, we're just talking about traditional public schools. Charter schools don't have to go by a lot of the rules that are in a union contract. They can pay good teachers more. They can get rid of bad teachers. And, and, and to be sure, private schools can and do this all the time, <laughs> but not not the unionized government schools. Right, because they hold the monopoly. <laughs> that, that's what it is. <laughs> yes, sir. So what other ways, besides just the lack of merit pay or the lack of pay for specialties, what other way do, do teachers unions interfere or impede with actually quality teachers and quality of effective teaching in the into the classroom well here in california and many other states we have a tenure system or as it's more likely called it's more it's regularly called uh permanence it's it's in the books it's on this in the state education code is permanence now do you know of any other profession has permanent <laughs> employees and even the teachers' unions know that permanence is not a good word, so now they're calling it due process. I love that. But it's really undue process because you can't get rid of bad teachers. Yeah. In California, we have about 300,000 teachers, and in any given year, 2.2% lose their job. Excuse me, 2.2, not 2.2%, I misspoke. 2.2 lose their jobs because of incompetence. About another eight lose their jobs because of criminals. So we lose 10 teachers per year out of 300,000. Oh, wow. There's something wrong with this system. Yeah. Eric Hanyashek, who's a, a, a brilliant professor and researcher at Stanford, has said if we could get rid of 5 to 7% of our body-performing teachers, we could have a world-class education system. Now, if you take, let's take Hanusek's middle number, 6%, 6% of 300,000 teachers is 18,000 teachers. We don't <laughs> lose 18,000 teachers a year, no. anything but. You know, as I said, we lose 10, and eight of those are criminals. Wow. We lose two bad teachers a year. Yeah, I've seen the studies from here in Illinois, too, and it was, I believe it was over 97% of teachers always are rehired the following year. So it's under 3% total here that can actually be, lose their jobs. And a little bit of instance here, my school district in Grays Lake, I was at, have used to attend the school board meetings all the time. They had a teacher that had been going through remediation for nine months. So this was in December. They were uh -huh. basically telling the teacher, we're going to get rid of you after nine months of her being in the classroom, so this is spanning two years now that she'd been in a classroom, 
in January, they rehired her because the union objected and it was going to be cheaper for the school district to let her finish out the school year and then basically re- riff her or get rid of her reduct when they do their reduction in force, in force, get rid of her at the end of the school year instead of going through the process of actually firing her because it was it, the, because of the lawsuit that was coming. So we had a teacher now to almost two years in the classroom that was completely ineffective, but they still kept her in the classroom. And <laughs> yeah, I, I hope the parents were told about this and raised some hell. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, it's such a, it's a horrible story. Unfortunately, it's a typical story, or it's yep. certainly not an atypical story. And parents need to start yelling and screaming about this. Yep, they do. And a lot of them don't know. That's the problem. As much as I tried to share that everywhere in our school district, it still made no impact. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm speechless about that. But by the way, it, it, just in addition to tenure or permanence, it's uh, sister or brother, not to be sexist, <laughs> is something called seniority, where if, if fiscal times are tough in a certain district and you have to lay off teachers... It's not the bad teachers or the mediocre teachers or the struggling teachers who go. It's the newest hires. And you could have the best, the greatest teacher in the world who's been in the district for two years and uh, a mediocre teacher has been there for four. One of them has got to go. It's the the, the younger, better teacher is going to go. And and I've seen this happen. There's a classic case out here in California. There's a young woman by the name of Vini Bakta. She's Indian-American. Wonderful teacher, but wherever she went, she, she got laid off. Oh, she just happened to be teacher of the year wherever she went. <laughs> and just to show you how crazy the system is, Lenny, one year it was between her and another teacher at a school. But the problem was they were both hired on the same day, so they couldn't use the seniority system. So And then she told me this story that... So they, they couldn't use seniority, so they had, they, they had the, the two teachers pick popsicle sticks out of a hat, and my friend Bavini got the shorter stick, so she was on the road again. Ugh. This is how, and, and the teachers' unions like this because they call it objective. But you don't want objectivity when you're getting rid of teachers. You no. want to get rid of the bad ones and keep the good ones. Exactly. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> you would think they would want that. <laughs> and, 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 and who loses out? Kids and parents, and kids and parents need, and well, especially parents need to get uh, involved politically right. and, and start screaming about this. And we had a case out here called Students Matter, which attacked the tenure, tenure and seniority statutes, but uh, and a judge ruled them down. Wow! And, but uh, actually, the first judge said okay, but then uh, on appeal, the unions appealed it and, and won the case. That case went down the tubes. Jeez, that's... And it was a wonderful case too because it really united. Uh, left and right. I mean, I'm on the right side of the political column, uh, but I know a lot of liberals were behind that. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and it still didn't work. Yeah. Well, but. parents in general want quality teachers, but then yeah. get, they get stuck well, what, with this system yeah, that I mean, they don't get. Of course. Them. Yeah. You, you don't want a crappy teacher for your kid. You, you want a good teacher. Yep. But that's the, but the unions have uh, other plans for your kids. So. Yes. I learned that the hard way too. I, I actually was a computer programmer and stuff for a long time. And when I, my kids started school, my youngest, my, my oldest daughter actually went to public schools. So kindergarten, first grade, second grade, she was in a public school. Two out of the three, mm-hmm. th- two out of the three years, she had a bad, bad experience and bad teachers. 
and come to find out both teachers had been there a very long time. The first grade teacher she had was great, had really only been teaching a few years. And mm-hmm. that doesn't always happen, but at toward the end of my daughter's second grade, she actually came home, got on my computer, and was searching on the internet for private schools because she did not want to go back to school anymore in second grade. And wow. <laughs> it's and that's when I started learning and we actually ended up moving wow. about that same time and we put them into a private school. And then we started homeschooling. And as I learned more and more about what the public schools were doing and how even some private schools were working with the public schools, were like, okay, if the public school will do will help your child, then we will do the same thing for your child. Because I had a gifted, my youngest was very gifted. She's reading on a sixth grade level at kindergarten. So mm-hmm. we end up starting homeschooling, and I it restarted researching education policy, which is why I do what I do today, because I found mm-hmm. out as a parent well, how bad the school systems were, you know, from my own personal experience with my own kids um, that way. So, but a lot of parents, I think they want to keep their head in the sand so they don't have to realize their school is bad. You're absolutely right, Lenny. That that was perfect. Parents just assume because they send their kid to the school down the street, that especially if you live in a pretty good zip code, that the school is good, and that is not the case. And that's why when I speak publicly, I urge parents, visit your school, volunteer at your school, spend time at your school, ask questions. If you, if you, if you, if you don't like the teacher, go to the principal. If you see something wrong, go to the principal, go to the school board, go to the media. Do something. Don't assume because you have a nice-looking school down, down the street that it's going to, you know, that it's effective. And, you know, so I, I really agree with what you just said. Yeah. So, it really resonates. I know we've covered a lot of stuff today, mostly about teachers unions, a little bit about schools in general, but is there anything we haven't covered that you would like our listeners to know about? Uh, well, I think we've covered, <laughs> maybe we can do this again, but uh, I think we covered quite a bit and hopefully people will, uh, you know, learned a little bit and hopefully to be able to take, take some action on things. Yep. That's yeah. I would encourage parents to do to take this, take action on things. And I think, I think a lot of them are scared too, because some parents have, and then they get attacked by the teachers unions and stuff as well. Is Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no, that, that, that's yeah. a great point too. And I think, yeah, parents, when you, if you do act, it's much better for obvious reasons, do it in a group, a single parent, be you know, regarded as a nut and can be dismissed. But when you have 10, 20 parents, uh, you can't be dismissed. Out here in California, in fact, we have something called Informed Parents of California, and I won't get too deep in the weeds on this, but we have some crazy uh, sexual uh, curricula here, and, and parents of all political stripes are outraged and are organizing. And and it's to some extent it's it's been effective. It's you know kind of long for the you know this podcast, but uh, yeah, it's called Informed Parents of California. They're on Facebook, and and they have like over twenty thousand members now. So you know nobody can dismiss this group as a flaky you know one or two nutty parent things. So yeah, um, definitely organize because if you're unhappy, other teachers, other parents, excuse me, are going to be unhappy too, and start talking to them. Yep. As you mentioned, you said uh, some teachers would be unhappy as well as the parents. There are teachers that are unhappy about what's going on too, and they're the same way. They need support uh, uh, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, teach, teachers, you know, talk among themselves, you know, psst, you know, quiet turns. Yeah, you don't want to, you know, you don't want the union people to hear you. Yeah, you, you, no, you're absolutely right. And I went through this too in my, in, when I formed my 
the California Teachers Empowerment Network in 2006, yeah, I had a sort of whisper behind corners, and then some teachers found out about it. And, and I lived at, I worked at a pretty fair school. A few teachers stopped talking to me, but it really didn't affect my uh, professional life. And, and I left the union, which didn't make me too many friends either, but I, I got through it. Other teachers, it can be different. And when I counsel teachers about leaving the union, I tell them that. You might wind up eating lunch in your room by yourself. Yep. But I always say try to find other teachers who are like-minded and, and join with them because they're, they're, at the risk of telling you a cliche, there is unity and strength. Yep. <laughs> so, Larry. Or strength, uh, well, I should say yeah. about strength and unity. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we've had a great conversation today. If our listeners actually want to get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing and some of the other groups that you mentioned today, how can they contact you? Uh, you can get me at... Uh, uh, at, at c10home.org, www.c10home.org. And that's spelled out C, and then the number was 10, T um, so yeah, yeah. C-T-E-N, and then home is in the place where you live, .org. Yep. So, and are you on Facebook or anything else, too, or just go to the website? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah right, right. On, on Facebook, um, you can also, I, I blog regularly for the California Policy Center, Um. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much all over the place. But if you, if you go to the C10 website, you can find out more about me, more about C10, more about what we do. Cool. That's great, Larry. Thank you for being able to be on today, Larry. Thank you, Lenny. Anytime. <laughs> all right. So I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. And if you forget Larry's, uh, Larry's website address, you can always contact me, too, at education at heartland.org, and I will be able to put you in touch with, with Larry as well. Thank you for listening to us today. Please check out Heartland's website. It's heartland.org. As we continue to track issues facing teachers and parents across the country, also, make sure to go to our PolicyBot website, your one-stop shop for free market solutions to public po policy problems. And if you're hearing one of these podcasts for the first time, make a point to subscribe to our daily podcast. And thank you so much for joining us, and make sure to have a great day. Hey, listeners of the Heartland Daily Podcast. Over the last year, we've ramped up our efforts to fight socialism and want to celebrate our success with you at our 35th anniversary benefit dinner on October 4th at the Cotillion in Palatine, Illinois. The one and only Glenn Beck is headlining our special night, so visit heartland.org today to reserve your table and your tickets. And if you are a big fan of Beck, you're going to want to get the VIP tickets for an exclusive reception with him. So go to heartland.org today for more information and tickets, and we'll see you on October 4th.